Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am Jake Patterson, and it's the beginning of a new era. We are no longer live on the air for now. We are 100% independent podcast only. And it's just going to be me flying solo for a little while until I make the necessary tech upgrades to have a co-host with me. But until then, I'll do what I do. Just me talking to you guys. I'll obviously interact on Twitter. I'll interact on Discord, Facebook, whatever social media you feel necessary to interact. But we are going to jump right in to some NHL action. It has been an interesting playoff so far. Conference finals are here. And Canes, man, what are you guys doing? You you were our hope. You, you were the chosen ones. You were supposed to bring balance to the NHL, not leave it in darkness. And I thought we all agreed, anyone but Boston. With Pittsburgh out, you can't have Boston winning. Their their egos are already big enough. They don't need help by beating you and going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I don't want a Boston team in another championship. I just don't. They've they've had enough this year. They don't need more. They've had enough in the 21st century. It's getting a little ridiculous. They don't need to win another championship. So, Canes, do your thing. Turn this thing around and win it in six when you have home ice. Because now you do have home ice for games three and four. You got to get that Canes magic back. Be the front-running bunch of jerks Don Cherry thinks you are and run the boys' club out of Raleigh. And there, there's a side story to this that I just really want to talk about, and I think it's so stupid. These, these Boston media elitist guys who think they're all high and mighty because they're from New England, the, the bastion of hockey in America, one, incorrect, that's Minnesota, and two, even the Canadians don't act like this. You can't talk to a, a guy with a southern accent about hockey. One, have you morons ever been to the South? People like hockey in the South. It's just really hard to play because it's kind of warm. But people in the South like hockey once they start watching it. And a lot of them do. I just spent the past four months in South Central Virginia. There is a tiny, tiny little hockey team about 40 minutes from where I lived. The Roanoke Rail Yard Dogs. They play in the SPHL. I had never heard of the SPHL until I heard of this team. And people love them. They sold out their playoff games. Players get recognized in and around the city of Roanoke. So Southerners like hockey, you Boston elitist morons. So you can you can zip it. They're probably way better journalists than you are anyway. So screw you, Boston. Let's go, Canes. I can't take any more Boston. Uh, my, my chances of getting jo- a job in that city are already have gone down the toilet years ago. So may as well just build it up even more. I hate Boston. I want their team to lose. Let's go Canes. The other series, Sharks-Blues. First game was a little bit of a snoozer. Sharks kind of wanted a blowout. But it was in the Shark Tank. It's really, really, really tough to win there. That is... That is maybe one of the toughest arenas in the Western Conference, maybe all of the NHL to win in. That place is rocking all the time. And the Blues picked up a winning game, too. Even the series back up at, at one, heading back to St. Louis. But yeah, that was a that was a shaky victory. The Blues couldn't capitalize on their power play opportunities at all. They they gave up a shorthander to Joe Thornton, 
which let's be real. Joel Thornton is an incredible player who is coming down to the end of his career and he clearly wants to win a Stanley Cup. You can see it in the way he plays. This man wants to win one before he retires. And he's going to do whatever he can to to make that happen. And the the Sharks have been doing a pretty good job around him to get get him that shot at a cup. Cuz realistically with the current composition, I think this is the last year the Sharks could really compete to win the Stanley Cup. But I think even with the the shaky way the Blues won in in game 2, this series is going to be a bloodbath. These these two are going to whoever comes out of this series is going to be exhausted heading into the Stanley Cup finals. These two are about to go to war. But if anything in this playoffs has showed a long layoff has, has kind of been bad because the Canes had a really long layoff coming into the Bruins series and they've given up 11 goals and scored four. So that's that's the side effects of a long layoff after after a sweep. So maybe Boston sweeping this thing wouldn't be a terrible thing because they'd have such a long layoff while the whoever wins out of the Sharks and Blues will still have their legs underneath of them. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. Because the Blues are the Blues are a fun team to watch. They have they get scoring contributions from weird places. It seems like like guys who on other teams even or even on the Blues aren't generally goal scorers get goals in big situations. Like you're not always seeing scoring from from Tarasenko. You're seeing scoring from Patrick Maroon or some of these other lower line guys that are more there for their physicality, not their finesse and their goal scoring. So this Blues team is is definitely interesting to me. And Gloria is almost as catchy as Here They Come 76ers, which if any of you guys know me, I'm a I'm a sucker for catchy team anthems, and Gloria is definitely up there. It's been it's pretty much been stuck in my head since game 7 against the Stars, which also that was that was a great game. That was that that Blue Star series was incredible. And the the comeback win in, in game seven for the Blues, that was that was top-notch hockey right there. That was that was why I love the sport of hockey. And we we it's kinda of, I'm kinda of disappointed that we only have a few games left because the playoffs this year have been so good. The playoffs this year have been incredible. They they stole all the magic that that March Madness didn't have this year, and now you're getting crazy games between teams you would have never expected to be in this situation. Like I was not expecting Sharks Blues in the Western Conf- in the Western Conference Finals. I wasn't expecting Canes Bruins in the Western Conference Finals. I think uh, I think everyone has I think everyone in the East has Columbus to thank for sweeping Tampa Bay. Because if Tampa Bay got out of that series, they would probably still have the momentum, and they would, and they would have gone on to probably win the East, or maybe not. They could have gotten steamrolled by Boston too, just like Columbus did. I, you never really know with the NHL, but it would it would probably be a totally different playoffs if there weren't so many first round upsets. Like there were so many this year. I. 
and I don't think anyone saw it coming, but now we get to enjoy it because we get teams that aren't in this situation too often going at it, and it's been really fun to watch. So as far as far as the rest of the series goes, unfortunately, I think the boss I think the Bruins do beat the Canes in five. I think the Canes get one win at home, probably game three, but then Boston takes four and five, take four in rally, take five on home ice, and they unfortunately go on to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they will meet. Uh, I'm going to say the Sharks on this one. I I think the Sharks, since they do have home ice, and this series is probably going to seven. I I, I give the Sharks the slight edge at the Shark Tank for for Game Seven. I, I think I think we'll get one or two overtimes in this series as well. Both games so far have been decided by more than one goal, but I don't think that's going to hold. I think uh, I think we're going to get a couple overtime games uh, the rest of the way for this this Sharks Blue series. But interested to see where this goes. What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at uh, Real Patterson Fifty, my personal at Mashup underscore Pod the Show. Uh, jump in our Discord server. We can talk over there. It's, it's a little dead over there, so I'm trying to build that up. Uh, obviously on Facebook, Facebook Mashup Pod. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are talking some League of Legends. We'll be right back right after this here on the mashup. And welcome back in to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. Speaking of gaming, we are talking some League of Legends and... MSI group stages just wrapped up this morning. Got the four spots locked up, and I don't think anyone who follows the League of Legends competitive scene is shocked by this. Invictus, SKT, G2, and Liquid. What a shock. I'm I'm certainly not surprised by this at all. I think going into MSI, this is what everyone knew the, the final four would be, because... The other teams, they're good, but to... I know wrestling is not part of the regular mashup anymore, but to borrow a wrestling term, they're... As far as international play is concerned, they're kind of jobbers to the stars, especially Fong Vu. Like, they're a good team, but they're not realistically going to be able to beat Invictus or SKT or G2 or any of these bigger region teams on a consistent basis and they proved that in MSI. They they got a couple wins here and there. They they beat uh I think it was I think they would beat G2 on the last day, but they were yeah, they beat G2. They were already out. G2 was already in, so that game didn't really matter. G2 probably wasn't trying all that hard. And that that win kind of means nothing. Like as far as I'm concerned, even though they technically didn't, IG essentially went undefeated in group stages. They lost to SKT today, but they already beat SKT in 16 minutes just a couple days ago earlier in, in groups. If you can do that to what was formerly the best team in the world that still has probably the best player ever, Faker, you if you follow competitive League of Legends, you may have heard of him. Even if you don't follow competitive League of Legends, you've probably heard your... And you just play casually. You've probably heard your friends who do follow competitive League of Legends shouting Faker every time your mid laner makes a good play. Like, that's... 
he's he's reached Kobe Bryant levels. Because how many people do you hear shout Kobe every time they they take a long three when they're just playing pickup games? Like when you're solo queuing in league and your your mid laner makes a good play, everyone just oh my god, Faker! It's it's the same thing, and they they looked pretty good overall at MSI. They were still second or third in groups and they get they get the prize of playing G2 <laughs> congrats guys you get to play uh, the team that was top of Europe all of spring split so I think based on the matchups you get or IG is playing Team Liquid in their semifinal match G2 is playing SKT in their semifinal match so those will both be very interesting games because there is a lot of history between those four teams. That is a there's a lot of history and a lot of talent. I'm not really surprised, but I think I I only think you'll get I think you'll only get one upset. And let's just check when these particular matchups are happening. So Invictus is going to play Liquid on Friday and SKT will play G2 on Saturday. So those are both, those are your weekend semifinal matchups. I'm thinking you're probably going to get an Invictus versus G2 final. I know he's not on Fnatic anymore and he's on G2, but I think Caps wants revenge against Invictus for that embarrassment at Worlds last year. So I think, I think G2 is just going to probably steamroll through SKT. On Saturday, maybe not steamroll, but they'll they'll definitely win. I I definitely have G two taking this one over SKT because SKT's lost a step in the past couple years. Ever since they they lost to uh, SSG at Worlds uh, two years ago, they really haven't been the same. Last year was kind of a disaster for them. Washing out at MSI, failing to qualify for Worlds entirely. I know they wanted this year to be a bounce back year, but I don't think they've gotten any more. Most of their most of their good players that supported Faker are gone. And as good as he is, I don't think he can totally carry them anymore. I mean, he's still he's still the best player ever, but even the best player ever slows down eventually and that's not a bad thing like faker will still be the most technically sound best league player ever like everyone will always remember oh look at the cleanse look at the moves faker what was that like everyone who pays attention to the competitive league scene at all will remember that insane play that that play defines his legacy and all the championships that came after and everything else that came after he is I've said it before, I'll say it again. He is the Tom Brady of League of Legends. He's still great, even if the team around him lags behind a little bit. And he can he can carry them through to some stuff, but I don't think he's going to be enough at MSI this year. I think, I think G2 gets the win, and you get a mini rematch. You get Caps versus IG, because Fnatic wasn't all that great to start off the spring split. So I don't think, so you don't get the real rematch, but you get the rematch of one of the best players who still had a good series at world's finals, but his team couldn't get the job done because his top laner fed like crazy and his jungler couldn't do anything at all. 
If you couldn't tell, I'm still salty about that World Series. Not like I got up at 2 a.m. to watch a totally boring three-game set. <sighs> what was I thinking? I was dumb. It was only a few months ago, but I was, I was, I was young and dumb then. It was before my birthday. I can say that. And, but MSI has been fun. MSI has been really fun. I'm, I'm excited for the the semifinal matches this weekend. I'll probably record another episode this weekend to recap those. Uh, get a little more detailed once we know what happened. And and same thing with uh, the regular sports playoffs. Like that, I, I forgot to announce this at the top of the show, but there will be multiple episodes a week now that we are independent podcast feed only. So that keep an eye out for that. There, you get more mashup content every week. How's that sound? But back into league, I think I think you're going to get two really good sets this weekend for for semis, and you'll get a really good final because these are four very talented teams that are about to go at it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't. I don't think it'll happen. But I also wouldn't necessarily be surprised if Liquid could pull off the upset over IG on Friday, and. SKT and G2, they're a little more evenly matched, so I wouldn't call either one winning an upset. But that's also the case where either one can really win. I think it'll be G2 because, like I said, I think Caps really wants that rematch against IG with, let's just face it, a better team around him. Because with him, G2 is better than Fnatic was last year. G2 is far better than Fnatic was last year. Now, is that good enough to beat IG? Only time will tell. But one of the other things that happened in League has nothing to do with the competitive scene. It's just the game as a whole. We have a new champion. She's been teased for a while. We, we've known what she's looked like, the, the magical cat with the floating book. But now we know her abilities. Yummy the magical cat and her floating book. And oh man, as a support player myself, or a little bit of a support player, I'm actually really excited to take this character for a spin on the rift because her W um, what a- attached to a friendly champion, you're untargetable, but you can still attack and heal. That's, that's insane. And her E is a speed boost and a heal that you can pop twice before it needs to cool down. I'm sorry. What? That's, absolutely insane and and her alt just oh yeah it it fires a bunch of pretty high damage projectiles in a straight line and oh it can if it hits multiple times it roots oh that that little cat is going to be a team fight nightmare for other teams she as far as draft play goes, she's probably going to be either an auto pick or an auto ban because I don't think anyone wants to face that. That's going to be who and, and her Q, the, the big uh, projectile, it slows. If it travels far enough, it does more damage and, and has a slow like this character is going to be insane. Cause she's obviously a support her primary ability is clearly her W where she attaches to allied champions. You, you can't exactly run that in mid lane. That becomes kind of useless up there. So she's clearly a support character. And 
I'm just, I'm just thinking of all the possibilities. Like, put her with a a squishy ADC that's already pretty fast, and have her pop those heels and speed boosts. Like, that's gonna be a nightmare. Pair her with like a misfortune who has really high AOE damage. Oh boy, that's gonna be. Oh, that that's nasty. I might have to try that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try that now. That sounds. That sounds like a whole lot of fun to play, but not a whole lot of fun to play against. Yeah, isn't that a isn't that every good League of Legends composition right there? Fun to play, not so much fun to play against yourself. But what are you gonna do? It's it's kind of what Riot does, especially what they've been doing lately. They've been making really insane champions that are fun to play, but not so much fun to play against. <coughs> Silas. <coughs> yeah, they've. Uh, I've had a track record of that recently, but I'm excited to see what Yummy can do in the Rift. It'll be, it'll probably be very annoying to play against, like I've said, but I'm excited to to give her a try. Yeah, Silas is still on my list to play too. I haven't had a chance to play him yet either. So I, I've got I've got two new champions to uh, to give a test run to. But you guys who play League, what do you think about Yummy? What do you think about the MSI matchups. Obviously, once again, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what do you think. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are talking some NBA. We'll be right back right after this here on the mashup. And welcome back into the mashup. We are talking some NBA action, and I'm still not over it. Still not over it. I was in the car when it happened, but. Twitter showed me the video enough times. How did that shot go in? How? Why? Why, why did the basketball gods hate the 76ers so much? <sighs> screw you, Kawhi. Screw you, Drake. And screw you, the entire city of Toronto. No one likes you. Um, if it comes to as a shock to no one that I am pulling for the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals... Because they have Malcolm Brogdon back, and they're going to destroy Toronto, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Because, yeah, no one likes any of you. But my actual bone to pick over the last couple days has been with Sixers fans. Most of you have been pretty good, and a lot of it has actually been coming from national types. But why do you want to trade Ben Simmons for LeBron James? What? No, LeBron James is one of the best players of all time. Yes, that is that is an undisputable fact that LeBron James is the second best player of all time. But he is also a destroyer of team chemistry, a front office manipulator, and a ball hog. I don't want any of those things in Philadelphia. And I've seen, I've seen so many dumb suggestions. Trade Ben Simmons for LeBron James. I don't want a guy who is going to turn 35 heading halfway through this season. LeBron James is 34 years old. He's about he's going to turn 35 during next season. Ben Simmons is significantly younger. Sure, he doesn't have a jump shot, but. 
the Sixers now have pieces around him that do. When he's not the primary option on offense, he is a great player. He's he's not the guy you build around. Joel Embiid is. And also, what's with the hate on Joel Embiid? No, no, no. I do not want to hear this crap about Joel Embiid being soft. The man had the stomach flu. You ever tried to play basketball with that? It's miserable. Oh, Michael Jordan did it. Well, he's Michael Jordan. I don't expect Joel Embiid to be Michael Jordan. I want him to be Joel Embiid. And you know what? That's a pretty darn good basketball player that I love having on my team. No. No and no. We are not trading Embiid. We're not trading Simmons. You're not trading Butler and Tobias Harris for LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, and Brandon Ingram. That is a real trade suggestion I saw from an actual Sixers fan. What are you people smoking? No. The team, as it's currently composed, was one really, really, really lucky shot away from the Eastern Conference Finals while their best player was probably puking his guts up two hours before opening tip. You want to blow it up? You want to blow it up because of that. Because our best player was insanely sick and still played really well. And even then, we're a lucky shot away from going to overtime in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semis, where, let's be real, the Sixers probably win that game in overtime. They closed out on... They, I mean, they closed out on Kawhi. They did all they could. But you have... You have the momentum swing of a big shot like that missing right at the buzzer. And you... You go to overtime, tied at 90, the Sixers win. And Bede and Butler start going off. And no one is talking about any of this. They're talking about the success of the process because it took the Sixers to the Eastern Conference Finals to face the Bucs. Where, I'll be honest, they would probably lose. Sixers would probably lose to the Bucs, but they would have made the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's a step in the right direction. They've done enough to convince Jimmy Butler to resign. I don't think he's leaving. What you need to do now is get a real backup center. Because right now the Sixers have none. The Sixers have no backup center, and that's kind of what killed them because Joel Embiid wore himself out, which is probably part of the reason why he got sick. And I don't want to hear any more of this crap about him being soft. Screw that. Anyway, they would have won that game in overtime more than likely because Joel Embiid loves nothing more than shutting up a hostile road crowd. He would have gone off in overtime. Same with Butler. The two of them probably would have scored 10 10 points each, and boom. Sixers win. They're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, all you national types, shut it. All you Sixers fans who think Joel Embiid is soft and we should trade him and not build around him, uh, no. His nickname is The Process for a reason. He's the best player the Sixers have had since AI. Okay, we're not getting rid of them. I don't care what any of you haters say. No, no, and no. But the Sixers did make the correct call last night. They're going to officially announce it today. Brett Brown is sticking around for next year. Obviously, his leash is super short. It's it's conference finals or bust for Brett Brown next year. But 
I mean, it's true. They brought the guy in to be the coach during the worst parts of the process, and they would probably replace him when the time came. I think even he's aware of that, just based on thir- certain things he said in interviews. That I think he's he's also aware that he was meant to be the process coach. He wasn't meant to be the we win titles coach. But he's done enough that in the next year or two, he could probably win them one. And I'm all good with him sticking around. I'm all good with the team comp staying pretty much the same other than maybe signing or not maybe definitely signing a viable backup center because Ben Simmons is not a center. The man is a small forward and that is, that is his natural position. The man is a small forward. That's where he needs to be playing, not playing backup center because he's wildly ineffective there. But that's that's all I got on the Sixers. There's a little bit more. Uh, Houston looked absolutely pathetic in game six against the Warriors. Like, that was a joke. You are without Durant. You are facing a team without Durant at home. And you have career games from James Harden and Chris Paul. And you still can't get it done. Oh, and you held Steph Curry scoreless for an entire half. How did you not win that game? If Steph Curry scores nothing in the first half, and Chris Paul and James Harden are both popping off, you should be up 15 at least. And you were tied at halftime? As soon as that happened, I knew I knew the Rockets were going to lose. Like, there was no way they were winning that game in that situation because Steph Curry is not going to stay scoreless forever. And what a shock. He wasn't scored 10 points in the third scored 23 in the fourth to seal the win for a a grand total of 33 points on the game. And that's another situation where you let Steph Curry score a career high points in a quarter in a playoff game on home floor you deserve to lose. The Rockets deserve to lose that game. They looked absolutely terrible. But I don't know why the blame is being put on James Harden and Chris Paul because they did their jobs. Mike D'Antoni? Why is no one blaming him? I feel like this is mostly his fault because the man has proven his coaching style doesn't win. In multiple stops across the NBA, New York, here in Houston, everywhere else he's been, they don't win. They win regular season games. They put up a lot of points. They're fun to watch, but they don't win actual games. And this is another one where I don't think changing the composition of the team will really do all that much. I think I think the team you have is good. You need a new coach. You need a new coach, guys. And I think that's what they need to do this offseason is is kick D'Antoni to the curb and find a new coach. And if they do that, maybe they'll actually beat the Warriors next year. Because the Warriors, everyone knows after this year, the Warriors are breaking up. Like, Katie's gone. Boogie is gone. The Warriors are breaking up after this year. They'll probably still be the odds on favorite to win the championship, but they won't be guaranteed to win the championship back in October. They won't be even money. 
Because that's basically what the Warriors are at this point, is even money to win the title. Like, why would you even bet on them? You're not actually going to make a profit. And Houston, just just get it together. You were the one team that can... You were the one team that we had hope could beat the Warriors, at least in the West. I think the Buck... I, actually, I mean, the Blazers could do it. <laughs> With the way the Blazers have been playing lately, they are insanely hot. Damian Lillard is playing absolutely out of his mind. CJ McCollum's playing really well, too. That Blazers-Warriors series is going to be really fun. No one ever talks about the Blazers that much except come playoff time because, I mean, they're in Portland. It's not a huge market. It doesn't get a lot of coverage. Like you'll see Damian Lillard hitting a crazy three-pointer on SportsCenter every once in a while, but for the most part, you don't see that many Blazers games on TV unless they're playing the Lakers, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Celtics, the Sixers. Like, good teams, other good teams that are in bigger markets. When they play those teams, you see them on ESPN or TNT. But for the most part, you don't really see them. They don't get that much coverage because they're in such a small city like Portland. And and that's a shame because they are a really good team. They are really fun to watch. There's a reason Damian Lillard is like my go-to guy when I play 2K. It's not a sixer. It's Damian Lillard. Like that's That's how much I like him and how much fun I think he is to watch is he's, he's my go-to guy in 2K. But moving over to some coaching hires. Two big coaching names. Uh, Frank Vogel is headed to L.A. I think that's a good hire. Uh, like I said about LeBron, he doesn't necessarily play nice with most coaches. I think that's why they hired Jason Kidd as an assistant because really I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers start struggling and Vogel's out thanks to LeBron mostly just so he could put Jason Kidd in there so he could have have his puppet. At least the Lakers didn't bring in Ty Lue. That would have just been dumb. If, if the Lakers brought in Ty Lue, I would have been laughing at them for the next five years, even after they fired him. Because that would have been the funniest thing ever. But no, they brought in Frank Vogel. I think that's a good hire. I don't know how well he'll play with LeBron, or LeBron will play with him, because LeBron is still a player, not a coach, as much as he likes to think he is. The, the Lakers are a mess. The Lakers are just a mess. And I'm, I'm kind of enjoying this. Because watching LeBron basically be a nuclear bomb to team chemistry is actually kind of funny. And I, going back to this, I'd love to know what Sixers fans think he'll do in Philadelphia. Guys, just stop with that. We, we don't want LeBron in Philly. As, as much of a splash as that would be, he's a bomb on team. He's That'd be dropping a nuclear bomb on team chemistry that this team has worked so hard to build. I don't want that. Anyway, the other, the other big coaching hire, this is actually a big one. Cleveland Cavaliers picking up John Beeline. That's a little awkward because Ohio and Michigan don't exactly get along, but that is a big... Big time hire. I thought he would have stuck around in college forever. Like, I thought he would have retired from Ann Arbor. Like, I thought he would have been a, a college coach for the rest of his career. But nope, he's heading down to Cleveland to coach in the NBA. And I don't know how well that's going to work out because college coaches don't always do that great in the NBA. 
but I think he's one of the ones who can because the guy is an amazing coach. Just watch any Michigan team over the past few years and you could see the guy is a really, really, really good coach. And the NBA could use a little bit more team ball, which he is very good at. And especially a terrible team like Cleveland, like where they don't have the superstars that can just play hero ball and drop 40 points and call it a night and win by two. So I think, I think that's the right hire for Cleveland. I'm definitely interested to see where that goes. I know uh, there might be some Michigan fans who aren't too happy about that though, about their, uh, their coach going down to Ohio, but you never know. I think, I think from what I've seen, most Michigan fans are, are pretty grateful for what he did and they're excited to see him get a new opportunity, but I think they just wish it was in another city. But like I said, I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. That'll be that'll be a fun one to watch next year. I mean, the Cavs won't be that fun to watch next year because they're probably still going to be kind of terrible, but at least they'll be better coached than they were even under Ty Lue because... Even with LeBron, Tyler was an absolutely terrible coach because he was a puppet. John Beeline won't be a puppet. He'll be a coach. So that'll be that'll be fun to watch. But that's going to do it for the NBA. When we come back, we are talking some soccer. Yes, soccer. It is part of the mashup now. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back into the mashup. And for the first time ever, we are talking some soccer. Yes, I, I am a soccer fan too. Uh, in college, it was a little bit harder because of mo- my primary team is in England and time difference is a nightmare. Uh, five hours, that's that's a little rough when you're a sleep-deprived college student. But towards the end, I, I did get back in to follow my team a little more closely because they had a very good season this year and I am super proud of them. That was an awesome run for the Reds from from Liverpool. They didn't they didn't get it on the last day. They they needed Manchester City to drop 1 point in 14 games and they never did. Not even once. And it hurts. It hurts really bad. And Manchester City ended up beating them in the point standings by one. You rack up 97 points. You lose one game over the course of an entire season. And it's still not enough to be champion. They, I mean, people say Baltimore and Liverpool are a whole lot alike. That right there, that right there proves it. You have a great season and it's still not enough to get it done. That that sounds like my team's all right. But last year, they also did qualify for Champions League for this year. And they are heading off to the Champions League finals. Oh, yeah. And they beat Barcelona to do it. Oh, it was just so satisfying. First first leg of the finals happened in Spain, in Barcelona. And the the fighting Messies go up 3-0. And that's next to impossible to come back from. 
Because sure, you have the second leg at home, but that essentially means you have to score four unanswered goals is is the easiest way to explain how it works. Because instead of you win both games, it's whoever scores more total goals, it's aggregate. So even though Barcelona won the first game 3-0, Liverpool won the second game 4-0, they, Liverpool won the whole thing 4-3 is, is how that works. But that game at Anfield was absolutely insane. I didn't actually know that game was on TNT, so I was just following along on Twitter. And I found out later the game was on TNT after the fourth and final goal had been scored, so I only got to see the very end of the game. But... I saw video replays of of all four goals on Twitter, and all four of them were absolutely incredible. Especially that fourth one. That that trickery on the corner kick. Oh man, was that was that I haven't watched soccer in a while, and that that hooked me right back in because that was such a good play. Fake the short corner, have him have him loop back around, cross it into the box, easy header, goal. You're up 4-0, and you're up 4-3 overall. And the the place just the place just absolutely exploded. Ever since I started watching Premier League soccer, Anfield has been on my bucket list of stadiums to watch at least one game at. Most of the most of them on my bucket list are in America, so it's much easier to get to them than it would be to Anfield. But Anfield is at the top because that place has just an insane atmosphere. And after that game was over, I was sitting in my apartment uh, watching the game on TV. And I was very annoyed that the commentators wouldn't shut up while the Anfield crowd was singing. You'll never walk alone. Eventually they did. And thank God, because when a full Anfield is all singing, you'll never walk alone. That is one of the coolest things to watch in all of sports. Like that was that was insane to watch. And yeah, I was I was 3000 miles away from this stadium, but I was sitting in my apartment singing along with that with that crowd. And I was singing pretty loud, so thankfully nobody heard me and was very confused why this this random college student is singing a song written by a British band that very few people have ever heard of from the 60s very loudly and very poorly but I, I had a good reason why I was I was celebrating my team's win like as much as I hate to admit it fight songs after college football games pale in comparison to you'll never walk alone at Anfield I love college football. I love all the traditions of it, but nothing matches up to that. Like that song is that song is insane. Like I got I got chills just watching that and I still do cuz I I've seen the replays pop up on my social feeds multiple times in the last week. Like I I still get chills watching that. And really it was a, a Champions League semis of incredible comebacks because Tottenham was down as well 
and they came back in leg two to get the win and send them to the finals and have an all England champions league final. And it's, they, uh, theirs wasn't as necessarily as dramatic as Liverpool. Like they were, they were only down one, nothing heading into the second leg. But they, and they were, they were the home team as well. So they had to, they actually had the advantage because if they skirt on the road, away goals are the tiebreaker. And they had, they had three compared to I, I, uh, Ajax is one, or I think that's pronounced Ajax. Ajax is one. And at Ajax, they won three to two. So it wasn't, it wasn't as dramatic because that third goal was, that third goal was during stoppage time, so that upped the drama considerably. But they also weren't down as much heading in to the second leg. Like it wasn't an absolute miracle that they came back and and won. It's still ridiculously impressive. Like prop props to Tottenham, props to the Spurs because like that game was almost over when they scored that last goal on Ajax and. I'm looking forward to this Champions League final. It's not for a couple of weeks. The final's not till June 1st. So you get a couple weeks of layoff between the semis and the final, which is kind of annoying, but a lot of teams' domestic leagues are different. It just so happens that the two teams that made the finals are from the same country. So they get a ridiculously long layoff in between the end of their regular season and the end of Champions League. But... I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped for this Champions League final. It's been a while since I've been excited for a Champions League final, but I think I think Liverpool can actually pull it off. That's a bit of a biased pick, but they finished higher in the Premier they beat Tottenham twice in the Premier League regular season, so what's one more time in Madrid? Which I want to talk about that too. Why is it in Madrid? I know it's like the Super Bowl where you pick it so far in advance, but why Madrid? That's such a, I know it's a great city and all, but that's such a random city to have it in. And with it being an all England final, you'll have a, uh, a much more muted crowd. It'd be nice if, because it's not as big a deal as something like the Super Bowl or the final four, where you have as big of an event like the game itself is as big, but the event that surrounds it isn't as huge where you need to plan months in advance, like the Super Bowl or the Final Four. Like just just have it be at one of the two teams home stadiums. Like have it at White Hart Lane, have it at Anfield. Either way, you're still probably gonna have a split crowd because I mean London and Liverpool are separated by a pretty good distance, but it's England. It's not really all that far. That's a tiny little island. So even at Anfield, you would have a predominantly Liverpool crowd, but you'd still have a lot more people there in white cheering for the Spurs. And same thing at White Hart Lane. Like you'd have a sizable amount of red in the crowd pulling for Liverpool. But that's just my take on Champions League. Uh, if you want more soccer talk, let me know. Um, I'm not as well versed in some of the other leagues outside of the Premier League and MLS, but I could. I could do some digging. I could talk more about 
like Germany or some of the other European leagues. But that's going to do it for soccer. When we come back, we'll talk about some Overwatch League and wrap things up in the new era of the mashup. We'll be right back right after this. And welcome back in to the mashup. Wrapping things up with talking some Overwatch League action. It is All-Star Week. I'm recording this on Tuesday. The All-Star event itself kicks off tomorrow on Wednesday with the opening up at 9 Eastern with the Talent Takedown. This is always an interesting one because the All-Star teams choose from the commentary talent, both play-by-play and analyst, and desk people to have a standard 6v6 matchup and a three-map set, and the players do commentary. So players and commentators flip roles for the talent takedown. That should be fun. That the past couple times they've done this, it's been it's been great. So I think I think you'll get a little more crazy. Uh, they obviously haven't drafted the teams yet, so I don't I, I can't really make a prediction. I think Atlantic will end up picking the better talent because I think the Atlantic Division players are smarter. Just my personal bias there. That's not actually true, but I think I, I'm I'm kind of pulling for Atlantic, so I want Atlantic to win. But it all depends on who who gets who. One of the other events is the Widowmaker 1v1. Uh, Anyone with a brain that watches competitive Overwatch knows who's winning this one. Carpe, 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 and Carpe. The man has been stuck playing Zarya since World Cup, and I think he's getting bored with it. So, when he's back on Widowmaker, look out. It's going to be ugly. Well, it's going to be beautiful to watch because he's a freak on Widowmaker. But I, I miss seeing him on Widowmaker so much. The, the Widowmaker 1v1s are going to be fun to watch just because of that. Just to see one of my favorite players back on a hero he's actually good at. Instead of stuck playing a tank because of a really, really awful meta. That I have got into enough on this show, but still, screw you goats. You need to die. Jeff, for the love of God, fix this. We're all sick of it. (laughs) And I think you are too, but it's all your fault. So, Widowmaker 1v1's easy, easy, that's going to Carpe. That's guaranteed going to Carpe. No, no question. The the last event on Wednesday is the All-Star Arcade. And there's a few different there's a few different things going on with this. There's map one is sibling rivalry. So you play six v six, but every team has three Genjis and three Hanzos. No one else. On Hanamura, because of course. That'll be interesting. I think Pacific takes this one just because they have the better Genji Hanzo players. Uh healers never die. Six v six, you can only play supports. And you're you're locked into standard game mode where each team can only pick a character once. You can't double up on characters. I think I'm giving this one to... I'll probably give this one to the Atlantic. Because I think... Yeah, they have Jonak. 
they have Ark. They have Dogman. They have Neko. Oh, yeah. No. No way. Yeah. Atlantic definitely has the better support players. They're just by virtue of having Jonak. They're they're winning this one. Atlantic wins the uh, the battle of the sports. The next one is terrible, terrible damage. That's that's DPS only on Hollywood. Uh, again, the one hero limit. I'm gonna go with Atlantic on this one because they have Carpe and he's been stuck playing tank for months. So I think he'll just be happy to be back on DPS and grappling hooking. Hollywood's a great map for Widowmaker. He'll just be grappling hooking everywhere and popping people's heads. That's that's going to be really... that. I'm definitely watching that one too. That one's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, map 4 is keeping the peace on 66. 6 McCrees versus 6 McCrees. I'm a McCree main. I'm on board. But give me Pacific in that one because I think they... Well, Atlantic overall has the better DPS players. I think Pacific has the better McCree. Actually, looking at the roster, I don't know about that. Because uh, Atlantic has Pine. And he is a great McCree player. And Atlantic also has Carpe, who is probably the best DPS in the world. So, yeah, give me Atlantic on that one again. So, I think I think Atlantic does win All-Star... All-Star Arcade. And the actual the actual All-Star game itself on Thursday. I think I'm I think I'm also giving that one to uh well technically Thursday. That's that's at 1:30 a.m. on Thursday. So it's actually as far as Los Angeles time, it's still happening on Wednesday, but I think the actual All-Star game is Thursday night. Give me Atlantic in that one again. Sure, the the Pacific team is stacked with with Vancouver players, but most of them aren't actually starting. Not a single Vancouver player is starting for the Pacific Division. So I'm thinking, and these guys, there are just looking at the the comp. There are some language barrier problems here because you got three guys from Chengdu. Two guys from Seoul and a guy from uh, Galjong. Uh, there, there are going to be some language bi- language barrier issues there, at least in the starters. And then the Atlantic, you you got again. You got two guys from the Fusion, two guys in uh, Poco and Carpe. You got two guys from NYXL, Jonak and Pine. Uh, Fusions is playing tank, and Arc is your other support outside of Jonak. That's a really good starting six. And your backups are just as good. Mono, Gesture, Cruz, Say a Player, Dogman, Neko, Dante, Mecco, um, Anamo, Nene, Prophet, Fury. Like that's the the Atlantic division is definitely a deeper all star team than the Pacific because most of the good players in the Pacific are on just a few teams and everyone had to get represented so i'm thinking and they, they've got some good players they got space they've got they've got dm they've got super bumper oge oge is great decay twilight like they've got they've got some good players but 
I think overall I'm giving this one to the Atlantic because I think, well, one, they're probably not going to play goats given their, given who's in their starting lineup. And I, because when you have, when you have Carpe and Pine in your starting six, you ain't running goats. You're running them on Widow and McCree. Like there's, why would you ever run goats with those two in your starting lineup? Because they're, they're not very good at Zarya and Brig. So they're they're probably gonna run an actual two 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 comp instead of this three tank three support nonsense that everyone's been running lately. So I I think just because of that, it'll actually be more fun to watch. I'm picking Atlantic and also a little bit biased because two of my favorite players are playing for Atlantic because they're on the fusion. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking Atlantic takes this one. But overall, stage two was was kind of a mess like. Stage two was was really kind of weird because all the all the teams that were supposed to be good in stage two weren't very good, and all, other teams that weren't supposed to be that great were good in stage two. Other than other than Vancouver, obviously, because Vancouver is a ridiculously good team, but San Francisco Shock didn't drop a single map during stage two. They went seven and zero, a perfect 28 and zero on every map. Vancouver didn't even do that. Vancouver did lose. They only lost three maps. So they lost, they went undefeated as far as series goes in stage two, but the rest of it, Spitfire, Gladiators, NYXL, Fuel, Spark, Dr- Shanghai. Like that's, that's crazy because, like most, the teams that made the playoffs in stage one was Vancouver, New York, Philly, Toronto, Atlanta, San Francisco, Seoul, Boston. The only teams that made out of that group that made the playoffs in stage two was Vancouver, New York, and San Francisco in very different positions. Because San Francisco was near the bottom, they clean swept stage two, and all the teams that were good in stage one were below 500 in, in stage two. And hopefully they, hopefully they fix it to be a little bit less awful in, in, uh, in stage three. I'm, and I'm like, I'm liking the fact that there's parody, but I also don't like that teams are getting rewarded for being good at a, a comp that I, personally don't like it it really needs to change stage two was supposed to be the death of goats it hung around it will not die sure they made some modifications to it but it's still it's still goats it's still three supports and three tanks going out there it's still incredibly boring to watch it's not like goats is ever going to be fun to watch even if you throw winston in there instead of reinhardt or baptiste instead of one of your other healers like it's still boring sorry guys it I don't know anyone who actually likes Goats Comp. The the Fusion Twitter account has been trolling people, acting like, oh, we're never going to play DPS again. We, Goats is all we'll ever play anymore. It's just like, please stop. You, I know you guys hate it too, but you gotta, you gotta fix this. You gotta fix this, Jeff. We're all sick of it. It it's kind of ruining your game because it's making it much much less fun to play, much less fun to watch. You really gotta fix it. But that is going to do it for this episode of the mashup. Obviously not as long as we used to be, but 
it's hard to go for a full two hours when you're soloing. I'm obviously going to try to find a co-host for this version of the show. Obviously, if you listen to last week's, uh, me and Colby are still doing a show, but it's going to be wrestling only. Uh, another reason why this show is significantly shorter because wrestling took up a whole lot of time on the on-air version of the mashup. So now with it just being sports and esports, there's less stuff to talk about. I'm alone, so I don't have anyone to dialogue with. So there's not as much content coming just from me. But I'm going to keep churning out episodes solo until I get another person to do the show with me. Uh, hope you'll stick around. Uh, obviously, follow me on Twitter at RealPatterson50, the show, uh, mashup underscore pod. Uh, join our Discord server. Links on the. Uh, I'll tweet out the link again. I'll post it on Facebook as well at uh, the mashup on Facebook. And we do have a Patreon page. I've had it up and running for a little while, but I didn't have the time or energy to keep it going while I was finishing up school. Now that I'm done, I can focus on getting that. Uh, There's some cool benefits there. A little bit of extra content, extra roles on the discord server, all that good stuff. Uh, There's only two levels because I don't really have the infrastructure to support more than that to give out extra content beyond what I can do. So if you're so inclined, go check out the Patreon. Uh, I would really appreciate it. But that is going to do it for this episode of The Mashup. We'll have another episode later this week. I am going to do, I'm going to try to do two and figure out a consistent schedule for when those episodes will go up. I'll keep you guys posted on social media, but thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.